0: Since we're on the topic of bluebirding, where did that idea come from? Did you see other th- platforms or you know other uh, tech out there that was like mm, that kind of inspired you to like think that oh we could kind of create something like this in West Virginia? Or you know obviously the comparisons to Airbnb are are there. Maybe you can kind of explain what bluebirding is in your own words, and then you know where the inspiration came from, and, and kind of kick us off there.
1: Yeah, great. I mean, so Bluebirding is a SaaS platform, mobile technology uh, that really exists to empower private landowners to list and lease their land for outdoor recreation activities. Uh, that includes hunting, fishing, camping, uh, but also maybe some activities you wouldn't necessarily think of off the top, uh, like bird watching, stargazing uh, those types of things. And, and so the impetus for blueboarding, I can't really take any credit for, um, the, the founder and, and, uh, chief technology officer, Brandon Fitzwater, he's, he's based in Virginia. We've sort of adopted him into West Virginia now, but he, he's, he's just over the, the border in Virginia and, and he developed the whole thing. I mean, it was really his idea, his inspiration. Um, he had seen some competitors out there that were really on the the web space only, and he's a software developer by trade. And so he thought, you know what? I think I could make a a mobile app that is more intuitive and uh, provides more options and more flexibility than our competitors are doing uh, on the mo on the web page space. And then um, you know you look at like the what people may consider competitors like Airbnb or. Um, Verbo or or something like that, but but really those are are much more um, residential and um, you know properties that folks are really looking for accommodations. Bluebirding focuses on the activity um, and then sort of works its way out from from that. And so I can't take credit for uh, the idea or the implementation really, but I sort of was brought in to the platform because. Brandon reached out to me for, um, ideas on how to fund, um, a seed round. Um, and so I started chatting with him about that, uh, at the time and then quickly realized he needed some support when it came to developing out the, uh, MVP, um, getting it to market, um, and, and then scaling appropriately, um, and so uh, I told him he didn't need to raise money yet and that he needed to focus on a few other things. And then that sort of blossomed into me being more involved. Uh, and uh, and then that sort of brought us forward to, to now.
2: Very cool. So are you finding, I mean, is the conversation with potential you know users, like if, if the end user is someone that wants to do bird watching, I go in there, I can find some property, I could rent it out, and I can go enjoy you know a couple of days in afternoon with my family and friends doing that. But on the other side, your other quote unquote customer is the individual that has the land that is available to rent it out. For them, is it, hey, look, this is a passive income play. If you hold a bunch of property, if you hold a bunch of acreage, this is a way that you can keep your land. You're not selling it. You're not developing an apartment complex on your rural Pocahontas County farm, but you're actually just micro-renting it out to other enthusiasts and you can make passive income. So like, I have to imagine, like, is that like that's the angle that's to play? And is that a lot of convincing? Are you hitting roadblocks? Is it culturally different for like convincing west virginians to open up their property and let people on it and that sort of thing and maybe how has that kind of piece of it been
1: yeah i mean and so you hit it spot on um in terms of the property owners it is a a passive income play for them uh similar to those who are you know they they buy up a a house and they rent it out as an airbnb difference here is they already own the land um and it's a mixed use. Um, you know, a lot of our our lands in West Virginia aren't being utilized. Um the distinction with Blueburn is while we're sort of soft launching it here in West Virginia, um, it's a national platform. Uh, and so, you know, West Virginia has kind of been our our family and friends market. Uh we sort of have pushed it out a little bit in this market. We've had conversations with various groups, tourism and department tourism and and other things to uh, to start to promote it here because we do view it as a West Virginia company, um, but this is it's a national platform, and so we're uh, starting the process now in Q1 of, of 24 to uh, we're going to do a little uh, seed round of funding and then really start to do some marketing and promotion uh, in in the early part of the year. But to to better address your question, Coop, um, yeah, it's been a little bit culturally difficult here just talking with folks. I mean. They want to do something with their properties, um, but there's a little bit of a technology gap. There's also just an understanding of how the the process works, and so um, we've we've had some some good conversations with um, property owners, but we're we're finding that um, a lot of our really interested um, potential hosts are folks who own campgrounds um, or own properties that they're already using for some sort of uh commercial application but they don't have a great way of you know extending that market and so again if you're a campground you may do okay renting out your camp spaces in the summer if you're in the new river gorge uh you probably don't have that difficult of a time in the off season or uh catching folks that maybe aren't their first look is not camping in a campground. Um, it has been a little bit of the the disconnect and so we have people reaching out to us because uh, we provide an ability for users to search for an activity primarily more than a location and so if you're camping in the New River Gorge and that's where you're doing but you're also love horseback riding well i challenge you to go google horseback riding in the New River Gorge there's a few companies that do it they they do well but the the Uh, Google search for that. And then the ability to connect and easily book with them is, is challenging. And and we're seeing that across the board in multiple industries, but uh, what blue burning allows you to do is you're, you're camping in the new river gorge. You have this activity that you want to also support and you can search and find, uh, find it and then go do it. And it's a bespoke experience because it is someone's private land you're going on. Um, And so you're not competing uh, with all of the national park visitors or, uh, you know, if you're fishing, no, every, ask any fishermen, they don't want a lot of people around, right? So some of our public streams and things are great, but at the wrong time of year, they're crowded. And so um, this gives, you know, just another way for folks to experience West Virginia uh, in, in a unique uh, way. So, yeah. Yeah, we're so- yeah. And, and
0: there are so many... There are a bunch of other apps out there. The one that comes to mind is kind of like all trails. So that's obviously just very public land, public trails, hiking trails throughout West Virginia. It's very popular, but like bluebirding is kind of pushing this, you know, this private land space. And so it makes you wonder like, okay, what else is out there that, you know, there aren't there's about maybe a dozen photos of or like what backlands or what amazing stunning views or waterfalls are sitting on private property that people haven't seen. And this kind of opens the door for uh, additional exploration in areas that people probably haven't been to, but, um, you know, landowners have been like, Oh, if only I could just get people to come up to my Monroe County farm, they'd really just be blown away with the views and what we've got going on here. I mean, it's the, the idea of unlocking that door is pretty fascinating.
1: Yeah, and you know, it's a really popular experience for folks out in the in on the West Coast when they are looking to to hunt game, they'll mm-hmm. go out to these big thousand-acre ranches uh and Ooh. they'll pay premium costs to go out and hunt. Uh, it's not as common on the East Coast, like I said, we do have a few competitors in the space who who've attempted this, but we're really the first in the mobile space and we're the the first to sort of uh try to target a market that it's more focused on the recreationalist in in general so not just a hunter or a fisherman yeah. but someone who loves the outdoors um and is willing to you know seek out opportunities for their favorite you know stargazing uh or 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 whatever and and so that's really been the the big focal point for us there's a lot of shared economy apps there's more and more in the outdoor rec space um but There's not really one that focuses on um, the activity uh, in general and then leveraging private land uh, for that. Um, And so that's, you know, that's the crux of the business. But, um, you know, we also, Brandon has, you know, I really think he's a genius and he's developed in this app uh, totally himself. All of the IP is ours. And so now what we're looking at doing as well is partnering with organizations that don't have a mobile app and it would be way too expensive for them to try to develop one as robust as bluebirding and take that sort of software as a service model uh, to directly to, to businesses that um, are in need of, of that tech and and then us license out the technology uh, for that use as well. And so we're sort of looking at this from a multitude of, of business models and um, we feel pretty excited about uh, the opportunity, both on the consumer end and bringing it to market, uh, but then also leveraging our our tech that you know is totally uh, our our you know our property. So we're looking forward to it. All right, everybody, thanks for tuning in to this
0: episode of the Mountaineer Media Podcast. Wanted to take a quick break to tell you about our guy DJ EJ so we've got the almost heaven classic coming up this year new river gorge region coming off the heels of a super successful year one we're super excited for year two but part of the reason that we felt like year one was so successful was because of our partnership with DJ EJ he really helped elevate the vibe everybody walked away from the event saying man the vibe the energy the ambiance in the room was unparalleled on Friday night's networking event and we want you to have that same feeling cooper ej man he really set the mood for us there
2: he did and i think it can work for other people's businesses so like cj said you know lights music uh the overall feeling of your event has to be curated it has to create the ambiance. you can't just rely on it just happening because people walk in it's awkward it's stale it's quiet you don't want that at your event you want people talking about it you want the room buzzing and you want the collateral afterwards with people posting on social media and we think DJ EJ does that hire him directly you can work with him he'll come to your event and he will crush it and we're honored to partner with him if you're listening to this and you're mountaineer media fan reach out to us mountaineermedia.org djej backslash collaboration and that'll get you right to it hit us up on social media we'll find you we'll connect you with dj thanks for listening to the mountaineer media podcast When do,
0: do you think bluebirding will be 100% operational, you know, places to go all over the state? You know, what's kind of the the grand outlook to, uh, you know, getting a ton? You open up Airbnb and you can see one down the street. You know, there's, yeah. there's just so many. When does bluebirding, uh, you know, what's the, the goal of kind of hitting that mark, at least where you open open it up? And then, you know, there are just so many to pick from or at least several to pick from.
1: Yeah. I mean, and so inventory is a big focus of before. Sure. Um, obviously the app is cool. It's slick, but if you don't have the properties to support the activities, then yeah. you know, it kind of defeats the purpose a little bit. And so, you know, it's a big focus for us now, as I say, we sort of just focused last year on getting it done and getting it in the app stores, which we were able to do in, I think, end of October of 2023. Um, and so this year it's really more about building inventory. It's it's you know doing the whole uh, marketing and PR campaign. I mean, mm-hmm. un- unfortunately, um, y- you know you're not going to get your name out there uh, too much if you don't do that. So we're looking again at a, a, a seed round of funding for early this year. We have uh, you know some already committed uh, to invest in that, and um, so we'll we'll do a marketing campaign and and really try to get it out to people. Again, West Virginia is sort of I'm viewing it as our test market. Uh, We have the activities, we have the natural, raw beauty uh, of our landscape, and I think we have property owners here that are looking for uh, ways to capitalize on the outdoor industry, but don't maybe have a a good vehicle in in order to do that. And so bluebirding, I I see it as a a good vehicle for that. Um, For the activities that we support, but also for things like farming, Um, and so, you know, while our primary focus is that outdoor recreationalist coming mm-hmm. to the area, there's a real need in in West Virginia and around the country for um, agricultural, um, you know, focused businesses to be able to list their property mm-hmm. um, and be able to, you know, whether that's pasture lands and they're just trying to get somebody to lease it um, or another application. And so we're sort of uh, throwing that uh, you know, a broad stroke at at what we're focused on, but we're kind of providing the the platform and um, sort of nurturing different opportunities uh, to to leverage, bringing folks onto it. And so, uh, big big marketing push this year, uh, as well as further developing out the tech and and you know making sure that as we scale, uh, we're able to support uh, a growing number of users.
2: You said something interesting early on, Peyton, and, um, you know, you, when the, the individual who founded it was talking about, you know, seeking funding, you said, well, maybe you're not quite ready for that. And you you got that experience and insight from, you know, spending a few years uh, down at the Country Road Nature Network, working with the NRGDA. Talk about that. You went to Marshall University. Your fellow alumni, Randy Marshall, just inducted into the College Football Hall of Fame. But you leave Marshall and you spend three years working with entrepreneurs the director of entrepreneurship um, down there in southern West Virginia, where I have to imagine you sharpen these skills of funding. Funding and raising and all this sort of stuff. Um, maybe reflect a little bit about on that if you can, and maybe how some of those, what you learned down there, maybe help fuel bluebirding itself.
1: Yeah. I mean, so I think that for me, um, as you say, I sort of graduated from Marshall twice, uh, you know, did undergrad and grad school there, and uh, loved the experience and sort of originally was going to, you know, work corporately in, in human resources. I sort of a master's degree is in. I spent a year and change working for a company in Huntington, um, and then the opportunity was brought to me by Judy Moore, who is the executive director of the West Virginia Hive, uh, and a, a great mentor and friend of mine. Um, but she was uh, working with some of the inaugural investors to start Country Roads Angel Network. Um, you know, one of which I know is a great friend of the show, and as you all talked to Kevin Combs, and. Um, you know, they were looking to find someone to help start Country Roads. And and so they brought me on to do that. And that sort of started an, a, a true education for me in a lot of ways of, of what was possible in the entrepreneurship space. Um, and so, you know, I spent three years there as managing director of Country Roads Angel Network. And um, we were able to nurture, you know, I think five investments, um, over a million dollars from our uh, membership, which, at the time, was roughly thirty thirty-five investors, uh, and then part of the fun part of my job was working to um, help build out syndicate investment relationships with partners um, to help our portfolio company raise additional funding. Uh, and so, through the experience of working through that, and then also was director of entrepreneurship with the West Virginia Hive Network, where uh, I was, you know, fortunate to oversee. A lot of the business advising function uh, for for them, uh, and so I just sort of got immersed in this world of entrepreneurship. And at the end of 2022, I decided it was you know time for a change because I felt like I could take that experience and leverage it into uh, my own consulting company um, and work with entrepreneurs. Um, in a lot of the same ways, but in a lot of different ways as well, where I could be more, uh, hands-on and more focused, you know, in my, in my former role, I was more of a bridge between entrepreneurs and the investors. And I was sort of helping outline opportunities and resources and can, and communicating those to both parties. Um, but I wasn't really in the game, uh, you know, so I, I had to, uh, you know, sort of make, uh. Make recommendations and and you know try to help things along, but uh, I wasn't quite as involved as I wanted to be. And so uh, starting my own company gave me the ability to be more directly involved in these deals uh, and to help shape uh, those opportunities for entrepreneurs, and then focus on some other areas of interest that I have as well in the nonprofit sector and in sort of lifting up uh, West Virginians in need and. Uh, and so it's given me a great outlet to to do that.
0: Yeah, everybody yeah. wants to make their own schedule. Huh?
1: You know, <laughs> that's right.
2: You kind of, well, I mean, you saw the entrepreneurship angle. You kind of became. You said, you know what? I want to dive into entrepreneurship. I think if if it's no coincidence, I think CJ and myself included with Mountaineer Media is that you get a you get a taste of you know yeah being your own boss, but just the creative execution be like you know i think something and if i i don't see any other people doing this and if i just fully lean into that all of a sudden three years later Mountaineer media is what it is so i think a lot of people once they see it and feel it and around it you're like okay wait a second like this is something that i enjoy and want to keep doing because you have the the freedom to kind of explore your skills and interests you know as you see fit
1: yeah i mean totally and i think west virginia is the perfect place for that you know if i had you know, taking jobs in New York, DC, you know, these bigger markets, uh, I would be a much smaller fish. Um, and and so entrepreneurs would um, be seeking much larger firms, people with 20, 30 years experience in this space. And um, But here in West Virginia, you know, we, we do have a little bit uh, of a lack of a people resource sometimes. And so mm-hmm. we have Great great providers, great folks that are doing really good work in entrepreneurship. I can't say enough positive things about the entrepreneurship ecosystem that, that folks have been building these last several years. But I really wanted to focus less on, hey, what resources are available and focus more on like what goal are we trying to achieve and then working with the entrepreneur to, to get that goal achieved. Um, and so I think we have got a a lot of great resource partners, but I'm really focused kind of solely on, um, looking at what opportunities they're looking at, which a lot of times is fundraising, like they're trying to raise money and they're trying to find partners in which to do that. Uh, so I can, can help facilitate those things, but then also working with them just on like simple things like, Hey, I need an advisory board and I don't know what that looks like and I need to bring the right folks to it so that I can achieve X, Y, Z. Um, and that's another thing, the angel network, uh, who I continue to work with and have a great relationship with uh, a lot of the board members at country roads, angel network. Um, and that's one of the things I was able to glean from that experience is just expanding my own personal and and professional network. Uh, and so uh, just able to work with entrepreneurs and helping them find maybe the right folks to, to partner with, to push them forward.
0: The fear of trying to do your own thing is something that everybody, you know, combats with struggles with, especially when you try and go out on your own. What were some of those challenges? Like, what are the challenges that you see now? Obviously you're still working closely with Cran and, and, you know, some of the mentors there that you had, but what are the, you know, the, that initial fear of like, you know what, I think I'm going to, start my own consulting group and, and just see what happens with that. You know, how did you kind of tackle that? And, and, you know, what advice would you try and and give somebody else?
1: Yeah. So, you know, this kind of, my decision to start my own thing sort of um, stemmed from a lot of personal uh, tragedy that happened over the course of 2021, 2022. Uh, We lost my, my stepdad about eight months later, my dad, and then about four months after that, my grandfather, and, after wow. that much grief and that much loss and such a concentrated amount of time, I just started really evaluating what it was I wanted to do next, and um you know, what type of life I wanted to to live. and And so, uh, through that sort of evaluation process, i I thought, you know what? i I think I've got a lot of things to contribute, and uh, you know, I'm young and I have good ideas and energy. I think now's the time. And and so I sort of just took that leap of faith because I felt like it was, you know, the right time in my life to to explore that opportunity. And so there's a lot of fear in that, right? Uh, when you leave the nine to five and you sort of just decide, all right, well, we'll see what happens, right? Uh, yeah, yeah. Here I am world kind of thing. Yep. Uh, but, you know, it, for me, it was a little less of a um, a risk because I knew that I had a few initial clients that I would work with over the course of, uh, the early part of last year. Um, and so I thought minimally, I'll just sort of do some freelance work and I've got a few folks that are already needing some stuff and, and I'll just do that. Maybe I'll, uh, you know, dive back into some of my HR knowledge and offer some, you know, freelance service there as well. And, um, but then it just sort of blossomed really quickly. And, um, you know, there was a lot of organizations that I was, familiar with uh friendly with and they had uh some some needs and it turned into me you know getting some some larger clients relatively quickly um and so i was very fortunate uh and i think you know my uh experience with nrgrda the hive and, and country roads helped with that because i did lay a foundation and, and build out a network that was you know incredibly um you know, robust. And so I think that helped me a great deal. But yeah, it was scary. Let's, um, if you don't mind me kind of going back to that,
0: you know, you can clearly pick out this 12-ish month period in your life where that was a huge, huge turning point. You you know, why did you all of a sudden feel like it was that moment? What was it about, you know, the tragedy and during that period that you were just like, you know what, this is I'm not doing, I'm
1: not living the life that I want to be living. Yeah. This is
0: a step forward that I need to take. Would it
1: kind of dive yeah. into that a little bit, please? So, you know, as we were working through, my, I was really close with my my grandfather and and he was the last one of that, that trio to go. And um, which, you know, you kind of never would expect that, you know, he was 88 when he died. And mm-hmm. so, you know, you sort of think he'd be the first one, you know, just due to yeah. age. He was, he was the last one and... Um, I'm just sort of going through his life, you know, as you do when you're planning funerals and you're going through, you know, millions of pictures and trying to pick the right ones that, you know, are, are best representative of, of their life. And and so through that, you know, I, I was remembering his time in the Air Force and, you know, his time as an entrepreneur himself. He owned uh, a bar in the 90s uh, and. Um, you know, and then he, he got into farming and he just had this full life. And basically whenever he had an idea of something he wanted to do, he didn't see any limitations at all in in doing that. He just sort of went out and did it and tried it for a while. And sometimes he was successful and sometimes he wasn't. Um, but it's that sort of West Virginian, uh, resiliency that you see so much from, both the older generation and I still think this generation, my generation, our generation. Um, and so that was a big impetus for me. I just started looking around at his life and thought, you know, he had all these things that he wanted to do. So do I. I, you know, I think I'm, you know, more uh, of an individualist when it comes to, I was, you know, they they may laugh at me now, but I always say I'm such a hard employee, you guys. I, I, I want to do these things and, and focus on these areas. And that maybe isn't what, we're subscribed to do here, and and so I think a, a combination of those things sort of just was like, you know what, it's time to to focus on that. I was 26 at the time, uh, and then I left, and I was like, you know what, I, I'm I'm young, and and now's the time to to make a, a change and not spend too much more time, uh, you know, in that sort of rigmarole of I like what I'm doing, I like the work, but. Uh, I don't like maybe what I'm focused on and I want to focus on things that, that I'm interested in, um, both in the entrepreneurship space, but then in general, you know what I mean? Like being able to take a nonprofit client that works with mission groups coming to West Virginia to focus on, um, you know, if we have a disaster, we sort of support that, but also just poverty alleviation, which is a disaster in and of itself in West Virginia, um, and sort of getting to take the reins of an organization like that. Um, on a day-to-day level, um, was not, you know, on my bingo card last year, but that 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 opportunity came. and I was like, this is just another example of um, you know, what I'm interested in doing. And I'll tell you, you know, um one of the big inspirations for me actually at the at the same time was I was reading a lot about Jimmy Carter, um because, uh, I think sometime last year it was uh, announced, you know, that he was- uh, on a here, hospice. Hospice, yeah. And then he, he was there forever. He, I mean, yeah. It's yeah. Like he still is. Yeah. yeah. And and so, but you look at his life and, you know, he's the president and he had, you know, and with mixed reviews, I know, but his life after the presidency really was a big inspiration for me, a testament, because he just had all of these different things he was interested in and he sort of- created the carter foundation yeah. to address all of them and i thought well i like that that's that's great i i'm gonna you know copy that in my own way uh and and try to tackle the things that interest and inspires me
2: yeah and ballard consulting group was born it's kind of like a, a holding company for all these different ideas and inspirations you have to work on um It's neat. I want to get your, um, I've been thinking a lot of the stuff you said early on, like you work with a lot of early stage entrepreneurs. And I think, of course, the beautiful thing about entrepreneurship is that you can come at it from a lot of different ways. Some people are in their late forties, they've amassed a lot of wealth, they cash out their 401k and they go all in on something else. Some people are 21, right out of college, no money, and they hustle and they build something and it becomes a big business. So you can enter entrepreneurship through the side door, through the ceiling, through the window. Um, but But I think what, At least what I see in entrepreneurship and what I have seen and studied is that there there was a culture of entrepreneurship in the early 2000s to mid 2000s, kind of the Silicon Valley, the tech startup where raising money felt like it was the end game for a lot of folks and it became the prize to do more so than maybe running a profitable business and like and that like it's kind of become a joke it's like well does your business make money or is you just raising money and then a lot of the times you you know announce it you have funding and it's like all successful but like that's just that should be just the beginning of the the journey because we got to return all this money to our investors we got to see yeah. a return on this so the con the and then when you drop that down into West Virginia and Appalachian values and complexity I think a lot of West Virginians might be, maybe inappropriately or misguidedly intimidated by entrepreneurship because they think they might need access to hundreds of thousands millions of dollars of resources before they do and let me give you an example this to maybe further contextualize it and then see your opinion so our audience could visualize it like say i was living in fayette county and i wanted to start like a a bike renting company right because all these people come to the national gorge one approach, the approach that maybe if I think that I have to do to raise a business would be to go out to the bank, take a hundred thousand dollar loan, buy 57 brand new bicycles, rent them out. And I have to be profitable by year, you know, by month six and all this like high pressure type stuff. And if it doesn't work out then I'm bankrupt my family and I owe my uncle money and all this type of stuff, yeah. the inverse of that. And then maybe the way that I naturally approach it would be to just rent your bike to your buddy, Paul, rent your bike to your buddy, Steve, rent your bike to your buddy, you know, Paul's wife and this all of a sudden four or five, six, buy another bike, build it from there, reach a point of, okay, this is actually a real thing. I've, I've de-risked the situation through just kind of stepping into it like that. Um, and then maybe then you can take it to the next growth. So do you find with West Virginia entrepreneurship in these early conversations, are people maybe trying to get ahead of themselves? And then that is, that becomes a hurdle, but it shouldn't maybe A hurdle at first, maybe it should be hey, look, you got a business idea, go see if you can make a hundred bucks with it, go see if you can make a thousand dollars with it, that sort of thing. Like, so how do you? one feel about that culture of entrepreneurship. I think it's shifting because interest rates have tripled over the last like three years. So I think raising money is much more difficult and practically unfeasible for some people, but what, what resonates most with you? And then when you have conversations with early entrepreneurs and guiding them in that early stage, you know, that year zero to year three year four type situation.
1: Yeah. So that's, I mean, I think you hit it spot on with the culture. I mean, I get folks, um, on a, a semi-regular basis, weekly, even that reach out and they are looking to raise money. Uh, it's always that, and maybe because of my background and and it, you know, folks refer people to me that are looking to do that. Um, and I always start the same way. It's like, okay, what do you need the money for? Um, you know, I don't ask about their business. I don't even. I don't even, frankly, care sometimes what they're doing. Right? I want to know why do you need. A million dollars, you know, what's the, right. the use of funds going to be? Uh, and if they have a really nuanced answer and they know, then they, they're they probably someone that's a little bit closer to actually needing the money. Um, but a lot of times it's all, oh, well, I, I need to do, you know, I need to grow this business and I'm trying to start this. I'm trying to do this. And it's just a little bit of an education gap on what you actually need the money for. Um, and so I see that a lot. And you know one of the things that um, we always used to tell entrepreneurs at the hive they run a great program called co-starters but in that co-starters program, uh, one of the the things that you teach on is to start small. And so I still use that principle a lot when I'm advising people, which is I think more along the lines of your the second part of your analogy there. it's like, you don't need to raise a bunch of money and go big or go home in entrepreneurship. Um, mm-hmm. you know, there comes a point, there's a there's a line, right? Where you you can just start and and keep going, you know, buy one bike, rent it to your friends, see if there's any demand for it at all, post it on Facebook, see if anybody, you know, in the travel groups and see if, you know, there's anybody that's interested in it. And then as you build a, a business case and then maybe you buy two or three more bikes and then you start to gradually um, work your way into having, you know, a hundred bikes and a big Mm -hmm. shop and, and all this stuff. But I find that people want too much too soon. Um, And so that's, that's one thing. Part of that is everyone thinks that a bank or an investor um, can just sort of write endless amounts of, of checks. Right. And, so they they don't do that. Or what we get a lot in West Virginia is, well, is there a grant that I can get to do this? And, you know, for for-profit businesses, a lot of the time the answer is no mm-hmm. <laughs> grant. Um, and so um, we I struggle with that in general. But I think on the whole, this issue is more of an educational one for uh, West Virginians. I don't think that we have done a, a fantastic job in the entrepreneurship space of talking about different types of capital and what those capital, capital stacking, like what do you need this funding for? Who are the best partners to go out and and get funding? And um, what is sort of, what checklist do you have to have in order to know, um, you know, when to approach the bank or when is it time to go to an angel group? When is it time to go to a venture capitalist? Um, those are things that I don't think that we have done a, a great job educating folks on. Um, and a lot of it is because we we haven't had a whole lot of private investment in West Virginia until the last several years with groups like, you know, CRAN, Mount State Capital, and and, and some of these other partners. There's a new angel fund, 304 AF, uh, that's out there. And, and so the, we're starting to to see some of, of those types of funding be more uh, at least uh, advertised. But folks don't really know what it is and how to access it. And, 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 and so that's some of what I'm trying to do with my clients is, you know, someone comes to me. A good example, you talk about return of investment. One of my clients is a, is, was one of the Cran uh, businesses um, that they invested in. And, and then when I went, um, you know, sort of independent, they became a client of mine to look at raising additional money. Um, they knew they had to repay their investment to cran um and they knew also that they needed some operational uh, money and so they were like you know i know i'm going to need some things i don't know exactly what i need in terms of capital or what would be good do i just open up a a series a funding round and and raise 2 million dollars i don't think i'm ready for that but if that's the next move then i'll do that and and so a lot of my work with them was just on like, okay, where's your business at? What are you looking to do in the next couple of years? And we decided it was going to be best for them to just get another SBA loan, uh, you know, and sort of, uh, you know, compile all their their debts into one loan. And then we were able to pay Cran back their initial, you know, investment and 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 those things. And it just is more nuanced, I think, than... Oh, I need a million dollars. Let me go call everyone in West Virginia that could possibly give it to me. Um, mm-hmm. that's sort of. There's a part of that I love, like that grind, that hustle that entrepreneurs can have, where they just start beating down doors and and try to find one, you know, that you know, works. But um, I think that that attitude could be somewhat counterproductive, um, and I think it's better to know sort of. Who the best partner is what type of funding they have and you know when it's best to, to access it versus just sort of throwing spaghetti at the wall
2: getting their hands on any middle yeah it makes sense i mean the good news in my opinion is that one I think you're right I think the information gap is still there and, it, and it's through folks like you it's through consulting groups it's through partnerships and collaborations with organizations the advantage uh you know to view Marshall all these programs to speed up that education gap but the good news when I think about entrepreneurship in light of West Virginia is that I think we actually fit culturally more into the what I think is maybe the, the safer less risky way to approach entrepreneurship is being resourceful it's written your bike to your buddy and building from there I think a lot of West Virginians if they could see entrepreneurship through that angle then it would click a little bit more because that kind of just fits into just mountain mountain living resourcefulness you know friendliness you know solving a problem helping your neighbor like it fits into those things you're just layering on top a couple of different systems and processes and you're building a business i think if we can and if we can help maybe storytell and talk about that, I think a lot of people will resonate with that versus maybe something very intimidating, like, you know, raising venture capital money that feels very, very foreign to someone who's not ever been in that world. But like you said earlier, might not be the right time for that. You might mm-hmm. just need an SBA loan. And you might just need to go get a business credit card and LLC and work for a couple of years and do it on your own and then get cash flow positive and that sort of thing. So hopefully folks listening kind of can maybe make that distinction and also kind of empower themselves to, to try something and i think now has never been a better time in west virginia to in Appalachian in general with the money coming in federal state private i think now is a tremendous time to be trying something and solving problems in the appalachian region
1: yeah i i totally agree and i think also you know one of the things that uh, as someone in in the sort of provider space uh or you know the consulting space. That I've been working to do with you know some success, but not not as far along as I want to be, is building out um, our out-of-state partners um, for entrepreneurship resources. And and so um, you know there's there is a lot of money coming into West Virginia, um, but when you get into things that do require that sort of angel investing or venture capital money. You know, there's only a certain amount of that resource in West Virginia, and there's a lot of companies with incredible ideas, with incredible businesses that they've already built, that they're looking to scale, they're looking to go from 10 to 25 employees, and um, they they do still need that added, you know, layer of of capital. And um, I think the only way we're going to really tackle that problem uh, in, in a more tangible way is not to think that we're just going to be able to print more and more money here in West Virginia, um, but it's to, you know, extend outside of West Virginia uh, and build those relationships. And a lot of providers are working to do the same thing, um, but there's a little bit of a stigma, right, when you go outside of West Virginia and, and you're talking to, you know, groups uh, outside of the state. Um, but in my experience, West Virginia entrepreneurs are every bit as savvy, every bit as intelligent, and our ideas are every bit as good uh, as, as folks outside of the state. And so I think, you know, if anything, we should be empowering our entrepreneurs that, you know, they don't have to only look at West Virginia if, if right. they have a an idea for, for funding folks are looking to invest, uh, in this, in Appalachia in general. It's sort of, um, a, a new experience for those of us who grew up here and all we've ever heard our whole life is, you know, negative things about the region, um, but it, it seems like investors and post-COVID have, have kind of been woken up to um, the possibility in Appalachia and places like West Virginia that have been ignored for so long. And I think it's a great opportunity. It's a great time to try to get into something if you have a passion uh, to do it. And, you know, hopefully it'll only continue to blossom from here.
0: Yeah, yeah, there is a major shift going on in Appalachia right now. A lot of great leaders in the right places and uh, helping make some of the the right decisions. And uh, I think that uh, we're lucky enough to be sitting here and witnessing it. And a generation from now, I think we're going to be blown away with uh, the changes that we see in Appalachia. So, Peyton, thanks for coming on, man. Really appreciate uh, the time this morning. And uh, keep grinding, keep working hard. You're doing amazing work for uh, West Virginia as as is. And so uh, we appreciate you jumping on this morning.
1: Yeah, thank you so much, and I'm a big fan of of you guys and all of the the great positive uh, work that you're doing, and you know showcasing folks in West Virginia, both current and and former, that are are bringing so much to the state. And uh, you know, I'm a big fan, and you guys are included in that group of of those who are bringing so much to the state. So appreciate all the work you do. Thanks for it, too.